The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Bears Over Beers, the podcast that takes deeper dives in order to serve up cooler takes on the Chicago Bears and the NFL. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron. And joining me on the other line is E.J. Snyder, Windy City Gridiron's lead draft analyst. E.J., how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm glad to be back in the saddle. We took a bit of a break. I'm feeling refreshed, ready to get back at it. Seemed like you needed a you know a long night uh, or five after all the podcasts you were doing running around the virtual uh, world recording with just about anybody that wanted to talk about the Bears draft. So happy to have you back on home turf. I'm happy to be back on home turf. Plus, I get beers here, so that's uh, that's always an easy draw, isn't it? Well, let's dig into that. What are you drinking tonight? Oh, that's a good question. I have uh, an Alaskan uh, blonde ale that is brewed with honey. And while I'm not a fan of sweet beers, it's not overly sweet. And the tie-in is that I think the Bears draft was pretty sweet. And the label photo is a huge grizzly. So... I actually have a bear over my beer. <laughs> that that's perfect. Now, are you pouring it into the sweetness glass? Oh, I I don't know if I cleaned the sweetness glass, but it is here. Um, I'll drink it out of the bottle just because I'm not sure. But yes, my Walter Payton glass is handy at hand, but I'm not sure about its cleanliness state. So, in order to keep the uh, podcaster healthy, we'll be drinking this one straight from the bottle. And at least sweetness is watching over you then. Yes. All right. Well, I actually uh, found a beer that you tweeted on. Uh, you tweeted out on Twitter that you kind of made fun of. Uh, it's uh, from Dogfish Head. It's called Super Eight. It's a super ghost, apparently, and it was developed so that it could uh, process film uh, for some <laughs> crazy reason. Um, so I don't know. I've had I've had some stuff from Dogfish Head before. They're kind of eclectic beers but um usually some pretty good stuff so they don't talk about the the photo processing at all on the on the can or on the on the six pack at all but uh this they just say it's an ale made with red sea salt prickly pear mango boysenberry blackberry raspberry elderberry and kiwi juices and toasted quinoa i just can't Why? keep I up know. with that man that yeah, list it's... of ingredients uh again my head made it halfway through before i went yeah but i want a beer <laughs> I, well, I will try just about any stout, and I'm kind of on board with just about any sour as well. So if the listener ever wants to recommend one of those types of beers, I will try it on the air. Um, I won't try IPAs unless I lose a bet. 
that's that, that's where I'm drawing the line. Fair enough. Uh, but let's let's open these up and see what they're like. All right. I've actually had mine before because I bought six of them, and this is probably the fifth one. Um, so I know it's pretty good. Plus, Alaskan's offerings in general are are pretty much to my liking. So this one lines up nicely. We actually get Alaskan in in Iowa, so. Um, but I can't say I've actually had anything from there because surprisingly they don't have a lot of darker beers. At least they have, they don't bring them all the way over here. Um, yeah, you probably find them during the winter season. Um, there's several, um, but even you might try the amber. Um, I like Alaskan amber a lot. And um, yeah, the, just generally I find their offerings to be real, real solid. I've found very few beers from there that I was like, mm, nope. But I'm with you on the ghost thing. I actually, I like a good sour beer now and again. So I've got some ghost recommendations I can give you off air and we'll get you, we'll get you going on some sour beers. Well, I was actually in Alaska. I ran a half marathon in Alaska a couple of years ago. So one of the harder states to get to in, in, in the 50 state challenge that I'm trying to push myself on. And I had like two or three different breweries and there was one called uh, 49th State. Mm-hmm. And there was another called Midnight Sun. Yep, Midnight Sun Brewing is excellent. And it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and they had a board where you could buy a beer and write like a qualification that someone had to meet to be able to cash it in. Oh. And, and someone was from Iowa and said, uh, resident of Iowa has to show their driver's license, uh, free round of beers. So my wife and I got a free round on a very nice Iowan that paid it forward. That is fantastic. I love that whole idea. There's Alaska's great. The state is great for stories like that of just random connections and, and just generally really nice folks. I know quite a few Alaskans and um, really want to get up there and spend some time. But I have had Midnight Sun offerings, and they're quite good, so I'm glad you got a chance to try those. I believe so, I had a smoked porter, and it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. That's that's right in your roundhouse. How is the... Uh, How's the formaldehyde? I don't know. Isn't that what you use to develop film? It just seems odd that they would make that a dual purpose for a beer. But how does it taste with that incredible smorgasbord of berries in it? You know, it's hard to pick out a specific flavor. So you more just get sweet and sour. And so I don't. Well, I don't know. Well, let's check back at the end of the episode. Okay, let's see, see if you finished it. Or I, 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 I would gladly trade you if we were weren't thirty hours drive apart. Right, right. right. Um, what about yours? First, first. Uh, it's really good. It's got a. Um, it's a very drinkable beer. It's definitely a summer beer. Um, the honey is not overwhelming. You get a, a hint of it, a hint of sweetness, but it doesn't completely cancel out a little bit of bitterness or a little bit of sour. But um, it's it's well balanced. I like it. it. Goes down very easily. I forgot to look at the ABV. Uh, let's see. It is five percent straight up. So again, um, very drinkable. Fairly clear, actually. Um, but come on, it's got a picture of a huge brown bear on it, and it's you know it's beer. So I think we're winning. Absolutely. I this one's very red um, with all those berries, as you might imagine. But yeah, uh, five five point three. So I'm at least you know it's not going to be too much. I will say that Dogfish Head does make one with lime and salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the major ingredients of that that sour, and that one's really good. Um, all right. Well, let's you know before I what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the draft. Uh, a couple guys that we just hadn't done the work on uh, that we've been able to go back and watch the film and get an impression on. And then your favorite, we're going to talk about 
some of the undrafted free agents that stick out. But before I do, I want to ask you, have you seen the Chicago Bears uh, tweet that came out from the official home site uh, about the camp activities that Nagy had the guys doing today? Uh, Today? No, I have not yet. So there's there's this montage of them playing games. They're playing dodgeball. Oh, They're trying yeah. to knock knock cones off of uh, 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 you know blocking bags. They're uh, the coaches are running wind sprints. They're, uh, they, and so there, but it's all like in a you know small teams and competition. Sure. And they just look like they're having an absolute blast. And it's like, I, I tweeted out like, wow, you're telling me that you can build camaraderie by getting creative and having some fun mind blown right like in in, i just i love that nagy's doing this i love that this team just there's so many guys smiling and laughing um i just think that that sort of thing goes a long way and what a complete reversal from can you imagine john fox ever doing something like yeah not not as much i don't think and the first time i really saw that thing that you're trying to sum up in this team was last year and it was early in in Nagy's tenure it was either at camp or in the preseason I forget which but um somebody uh needed a like a, a break during a drill as a quarterback and of course we know Matt Nagy was a quarterback right and he had his visor on and he just hopped over he's like give me the ball give me the ball and so <laughs> they give him the ball and he just starts throwing the routes he's snapping them out there he's you know he's jawing with the receivers he's telling guys you know he's giving them what for just like he was quarterback right he he could have been a a quarterback you know quality coach intern at, at 25 years old he, he looked just like that and this is the head coach of the team and i i tweeted out something about it at the same time and i said this this right here is the difference between where the bears were last year and where they're going to be this year and again it was super early in the season but that kind of energy that difference that engagement led to all the the things we saw and got familiar with later in the year the club dub and and guys pulling in a different way for a team because like you said they're having fun they're engaged they're enjoying it and so i'm fully on board with that concept but Nagy Nagy injected that into his coaching tenure very very early and it was starkly different than what we'd seen before and I was all for it then and I, I love to see the fact that he's just sort of progressing that culture now that's awesome I just think that this team has just become so much fun to watch and the obviously those guys are having fun but it's just fun for us as fans maybe it's living vicariously through these guys or whatever but you just feel part of that and see those guys enjoying themselves i just i really love it um let me get into the draft stuff do you want to talk about montgomery anymore it feels like 90 percent of the focus of all the bears sites has been on david montgomery is there anything more that you want to add before we move on um have you have you seen anything going back watching his film that sticks out to you um i guess i went back i had a first impression of montgomery we we didn't watch him for the backs that we talked about bears over beers because we really thought he was going to be gone quite frankly he was either the second or third rated running back on just about every board didn't figure the bears were going to get a chance at him and and from that perspective it's a it's a fantastic get but it Again, my first impression was, hey, this is Kareem Hunt at Toledo, not the not the pro Kareem Hunt, not the Kansas City Chief Kareem Hunt, but the guy that he reminds me the most of is, you know, Kareem Hunt coming out of Toledo, and I thought Nagy wanted something a little bit different. I thought he wanted that big speed threat, so I was really focusing on guys like Daryl Henderson, 
But the more I go back and look, the more I see that this is their inside zone guy. He's got great skills there. He um, led the nation in forced missed tackles last year by a large margin. He's got burst. He's got power. Um, He doesn't have long speed, but that isn't that important. And the thing that I think is probably the most important or the thing that's got me the most excited about David Montgomery is the fact that he can use that ability to force missed tackles behind the Bears line. And maybe the first time he's going to have to do that is at the second level with a linebacker, whereas at Iowa State, he did not have a great line and he was running for his life and he was almost always trying to make that, you know, that missed tackle happen two or three yards behind the line of scrimmage. If his first move is two or three yards past the line of scrimmage, we're going to see some big runs out of Montgomery because he's got a, a really nice, well-rounded skill set. And I, I just fail to see any way that he's not highly productive behind the Bears line. So pretty excited about it. Certainly wasn't my first choice. Um, but he fits very well with what we now see that Nagy and Pace want to do in between the tackles and that inside zone role. And he's going to he's going to create some highlights. He seems like a very hardworking guy. Um, he's definitely going to fit into the team culture, led his teammates through all kinds of stuff at Iowa State and just seems like, yep, when he's there in the third, it's very hard to pass him up when you really figured he was going to go probably right up near the top of the second or certainly by the mid third. And when he's there, you know, where the bears go get him, it's a value. So solid pick. Um, Definitely a lot of focus on him, but I think he's going to deliver. Well, and I have made some jokes about it in the past that I was not excited about having conversations with Iowa state cyclone fans at work uh, because I'm surrounded by them. And I've had, A handful so far. I I assume that they'll pick up a little bit once the season starts. But in general, people are very excited about him sticking around the Midwest, even if they're not pro fans at all. And so there's certainly going to be a a contingent of of Iowa State fans that that follow him and are really excited for him, regardless of who he played for. But they're very excited they're going to get to watch him on Sundays now. And everybody just has super high, glowing things about him. There was one individual. I don't know who he is. I don't know his name. He just saw all my Bears pennants on my in my cube. Stopped by and, and told me that uh, Montgomery was going to have over 2,000 yards from scrimmage this year. And I, I was like, uh, uh, I mean, that would be great, but let's maybe pump the brakes a little bit on this yeah. guy. There's a lot of... There's a lot, a lot of people that uh, are going to want some carries and a lot of people that are going to want some targets. So let's let's not put those expectations on the rookie just quite yet. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot. There's there's a lot of targets to spread around. And Jonathan Wood um, has put up some stuff on targets and target estimations that have been really good on Twitter. And if anybody's getting that many targets, I would almost say that it's a failure of Nagy's offense to spread it around. Um, is he capable of getting 2,000 yards from scrimmage? I, I think he absolutely is. Again, behind the Bears line, he's going to be really productive. Um, is he going to get that in Nagy's offense? I would almost be disappointed if he did, if if that makes any sense at all. It would. There would have to be injuries right, for someone to be so dominant. I mean, the, the guy that I think, well, in getting off track here a little bit, but the guy that I think could make the biggest jump in terms of percentage of targets I think it's Allen Robinson yeah. just because he's going to be yeah. fully back from that ACL. But uh, yeah, anyway, I just, you know, th- that unbridled optimism. You know, you just gotta, <laughs> it is nice it. to see. It's it's fun when, when fans get to continue to follow a player that they followed in college or, you know, did great things for their team and stays, you know, semi-local. That's, that's a great result, you know, and it just drums up more interest. So I'm all for it. 
Uh, one of the other guys we're not going to do much with was Stephen Denmark because we had a live reaction yes. during our draft show. Yes, we um, did. And we, and we did talk about him during the safety show, so we won't talk much about that. Um, I do want to talk about uh, Riley Ridley. Let's start there. Wide receiver out of Georgia. A lot of people had a round two, a round three grade on, on this guy. And the Bears got him in round four, pick 24. Uh, first impressions of Ridley when you watched him. I think Ridley is a lot um, like his relative, Calvin Ridley, uh, who's with the Falcons, came from Alabama. He's a very good route runner. Uh, he's a very good, he's not dominant physically in terms of size. Um, he's good sized, and he uses his frame very, very well. Um, famously now, um, the comment came out that he gave to Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace asked him about 50-50 balls. Uh, and Ridley said, there's no such thing. I get them all, <laughs> which, you know, we love the confidence from a wide receiver, but, you know, watching his film, he's really good on fades and back shoulder throws because he knows how to twist his body, uh, and catch those balls away from the corner. Um, he does so pretty regularly. He doesn't have outstanding hands. He doesn't have bad hands, but he, he's got, I would say very solid hands. His real hallmark is that he runs very, very good routes. He's not terribly fast. Uh, again, he's not a four six or four seven guy. He's more of sort of a high four five guy. So he's not going to blow by people, but he gets himself open. He's a smart receiver. He knows how to do that. He catches the ball when he does get open. I think he can work himself into the rotation even this year. Um, you know, down the roster, fourth receiver maybe. Again, if there was an injury, I could see him being maybe a third wide receiver. But in his in his first year, I could see him coming in, getting some targets, and really making plays on the underneath um, hook. Uh, come back, uh, square cross, and then occasionally down the red zone, being the third or fourth option, he's going to get himself open towards the edges. And I think Mitch is going to start to trust him pretty quickly because, again, he's almost always open because of his route running skill, and he seems to complete the catch pretty well, especially around the end zone. So that could make him a popular figure pretty quickly. You know, when you're building a wide receiver core, it's pretty common throughout the league to have guys with different skill sets, right? Yep. So you'll, you'll get a big, long guy, you know, he can go down the field or you get a guy who can work the underneath, you know, and just different strengths and trying to build that. Is there anybody already on the team that he, you know, is, is redundant with, or is this a, is this a unique skill set amongst the wide receiver core? That's a great question. In terms of totality, uh, I don't know that he's exactly like anybody else, but in terms of competition, I think he and Javon Wims, uh, even though Wims is a little bit bigger, both came from Georgia, overlap a little bit. Uh, he's not as fast um, as some of the smaller wide receivers. He's not as big or sort of that dominant alpha that Robinson is on the outside. Um, and I really do think Anthony Miller brings a a different dynamism, uh, more physicality, um, and will yeah. probably work himself if we see a sort of return to that form he had in the preseason where he just, and camp especially, where he was showing out against veterans almost every day. I really, I think Miller becomes the number two on this team pretty quickly, and I don't think Ridley's any threat to that. So I'd say in terms of, like, straight overlap with guys that are, you know, established on the roster, um, well, somewhat established on the roster, he probably matches up most closely with whims although whims is a little bit bigger okay well that's interesting I, i'm curious to see what that pecking order is going to be 
once once uh, camp starts and you know the fourth round draft pick has a pretty good chance of making the roster uh, it, something would have to go terribly wrong for that to not happen and so it'd be interesting to see how he can get on the field and where where those targets are going to come from and what the formations are that Nagy's going to get him on the field with I'd, and i think I'd, the bigger deal with ridley too is that it's not necessarily a pick for this year it was really a pick for what's going to happen down the road if they need to release somebody for contract you know they decide you know they could decide that robinson's not worth it they could get out from under robinson in a year or two um without a ton of lost money um I think it really is a pick for 2020. It wasn't a need pick. Obviously, they have a decent wide receiver core or above decent wide receiver core. This is really about a sort of luxury pick for 2020 down the road to set their roster and say, hey, we got a guy in the fourth route. He's going to be, you know, salary controlled um, for three, maybe four years, and he's going to fit in in that possibly fourth, possibly third wide receiver spot and, you know, give us real value. So it was a value pick and I'm all for it because of that. Yeah, 100%. I'm going to go on the record and say that we are not going to be cutting Allen Robinson. I, I'd be heartbroken as much as I wanted him once he uh, tore his knee up. I was already uh, angling for him to come to the Bears. So I get what you're saying. I think Gabriel's probably a more likely candidate for that, but I, would agree. I don't want him to leave, leave either, but yeah. um, I certainly can see that opening, but those skill sets don't necessarily overlap. But well, I think it's a really interesting pick. I, I certainly am very excited to see what he looks like in camp, and um, I think he brings a very interesting uh, polished route running that only helps Trubisky. So very excited about that. Let's move to the other side of the ball. Duke Shelley, cornerback, K-State. Bears picked him up in round six, pick 33. I think we both thought that they would go D back at some point, a little later maybe than we thought they would. Um, didn't know much about this guy when it happened. Uh, everything I've seen about him is pretty encouraging, though. What have you seen? Uh, yeah, I put up a thread on Shelley a couple of days after the draft because, again, I hadn't seen him before the draft. I'd watched some K-State footage, but not on, not focusing on him. I was actually looking at a defensive tackle, Daniel Wise. So, and Shelley got hurt, so he wasn't in some of those games. Uh, he had a toe injury. Um, but it's a classic sort of a road warrior scout pick where you go to a conference that's known for offense, not necessarily for defense. And you pick up a guy who was playing really, really well before the injury. He's a little bit undersized. He played exclusively at outside corner um, for K-State. He'll probably move to the slot in the pros. But demonstrated a lot of the skills that I think the Bears are looking for. Um Real physical nature with Shelley, both in tackling and playing the ball, playing the receiver. Really solid, or I would say excellent, what they call click and close. We talked about that, the ability to stop your backward momentum, turn it into forward momentum, and contest the the pass or the catch. And smarts uh, was the other thing I saw when I, when I looked at his tape on film. He understands his responsibilities, and he doesn't overcommit. He knows if he's got help deep that he's playing the short zone. He knows if there's not a route in the short, he can kind of freelance in the middle. That's, those things are really obvious on tape. Played some mix of man and zone concepts. So that'll make his move into nickel a little bit easier. Nickel's a notoriously hard position for rookies to pick up because now basically the guy you're covering can go anyway. You can't use the sideline as an extra defender, which the outside corner can do. So it's a complicated position, and that mental sort of processing or mental strength is a real sort of ace in his pocket as he learns new responsibilities as a nickel. 
Um, but he's he's designated, or he's you know, he's shown the capacity on film to know the scheme, play within it, not do too much, and know when he can freelance and and when he definitely can't. That's going to help him. The physicality will be great because Nichols and the Bears system definitely have to come up and tackle against the run. So I think he's got a great shot as long as the toe injury, which I've heard is you know largely healed and shouldn't be a repetitive thing, um, isn't a factor. I think he's got a really good chance to stick on the roster. He's a very skilled player. Yeah, he's. You know, I think it was probably your thread that I was educated on, but it certainly excited me. And you know, just based on the size, it makes a lot of sense that he would be in the slot. Is there any any uh, chance that he develops as an outside corner? I think there is, but I'm in the minority there, um, just in the NFL. The NFL does not like playing guys who are, you know, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, on the outside. Now, there are definitely guys at that size who can play out there. Um, Jason Barrett, who played for the Chargers, sure. um, it was one. He just played incredibly hard. He played very smart. He was very physical and knew how to use leverage and didn't lose against larger receivers on the outside. So I'm all for, you know, giving a guy a chance and it gives him great positional flexibility because he, again, he played exclusively there at Kansas state. So he's very familiar with boundary corner. And if you ask him to go back and do that, he's actually going to have less responsibility than he does as a nickel. So could he, could he play there in a pinch? I, I think he could, you know, He's, he's going to have a jump that any rookie has coming from college to the NFL. The receivers are bigger, faster, better schooled. But, you know, does he have the raw materials to play there? I think he does. Coaches in the NFL usually aren't so lenient. If you're not um, 5'10 or greater, uh, you're usually not getting a, a chance to start on the outside. Well, I think this is definitely one of those moves for 2020. Uh, certainly not hoping that a six-round uh, defensive back is going to take a lot of meaningful snaps on defense, maybe special teams, certainly, but not not on defense. So, you know, so hopefully we stay healthy and we don't have to be pushing anybody into that role. Um, the last the last guy that was picked that we wanted to touch on real quick was Kareth White, who was the speedster out of Florida Atlantic. And I think you wanted to talk about his special teams potential. Yeah, he had a great special teams career at Florida Atlantic. He had some tremendous kickoffs, uh, kickoff returns, a couple of punt returns. The other thing that, uh, in going back to Kareth White's tape, because I'd seen him before and said, hey, this is my, um, actually in an article that I put together with Lester Wilfong's help on, on Windy City, uh, Jacob and Fonte and I were talking about, um, you know, guys sort of running backs outside the outside the normal uh, who might be, you know, interesting targets to the bears. And I had identified Kareth white as my special teams ace down the board guy, because he's super fast and he just has that knack. He knows when to hit a crease and really push it. And going back to his tape, the thing that was really interesting, there's not a ton of polish in his carries that he took as a tailback, but he's got a really good size. He's over 200 pounds, just barely, but he's not a little guy. He's not a little fast guy. He's a very solid guy. He's not super tall, but he's well over 200 pounds, and he runs with great power. That'll definitely help him on special teams. But if he is going to develop over time into a third or fourth back that contributes occasionally in the in the primary offensive rotation, he's got the size to do it. He can he can make guys bounce off of him if he needs to. So um, a lot of guys just see the speed, see the height, and go, oh, he must be you know 185, 190. He's not. He's fully over 200 pounds and solidly built. Um, great explosion. So I think you know this year it's definitely if he makes the 53, if he's a sleeper to make it there, it's going to be because of that special teams impact. 
down the road, maybe he turns into a rotational player, kind of almost the role that um, Cordero Patterson played in New England last year with, um, you know, some gimmick plays, a couple of receiver slots, you know, five shots at carrying the ball a game, something like that. But uh, if he makes the 53 this year, it's because he brings that real pop on kickoff and punt returns. Yeah, he's very exciting. Yeah, I would have, I, you know, my initial thought was, okay, this guy's just a little speedster. But, yeah, that's some, I mean, over 200 pounds with that height is, is certainly a thick guy. And you've seen that be successful in the NFL before, those running backs that are shorter, but, you know, just have legs like tree trunks. Mm-hmm. And um, certainly those guys can stick around. So, yeah, very interesting to watch what he can do. All right, here's the favorite portion of the draft. Let's let's open up those other presents. Uh, and let's talk about the undrafted free agents, the UDFAs. I want to start with Emmanuel Hall, wide receiver out of Missouri, guy that had a draft grade by pretty much everybody, and he decided to join a already pretty stacked Bears wide receiver core. Um, he said right away it was because of uh, Mike Furry, who's a University of Northern Iowa alum, so I have to just mention that real quick, um, and Bears wide receiver coach for those um, who aren't on the uh, assistant coaches. Uh, and so he signed right away because of him, and I think that's really cool that Nagy's building a staff that has some rapport with some of these college guys coming out that they're willing to sign on a team where their odds may be a little longer to make the squad, um, but he felt comfortable uh with that coaching staff and and came on board. So what do you know? What do you know about Hall? Hall's a guy that you know his physical profile alone um, had him with a draftable grade, and his production with Drew Locke, his quarterback who got drafted, was what put him on a lot of people's radar. But this is a guy that's you know well over six feet tall. Um, I think he's six two. Uh, legitimate four three speed, and that's you know, four three eight or four three nine, but at that size, guy six two, um, it's it's really impressive. You're gonna get a lot of looks there. Now, everybody says, so, you know, why didn't he get drafted? The answer is I don't know. He had a little bit of uh trouble with injury, um, an abdominal injury his senior year. Some people, you know, questioned his love of football, but I always take that with a grain of salt because I don't I don't know the guy. Um, I certainly don't talk to any of his coaches, so I'm never really going to be able to know that. But on film, when he was healthy, his connection with Drew Locke was really good. And the, the thing that stuck out in going back and looking at his film is he's not just a tall guy that runs really fast because that doesn't make a great receiver. He doesn't have tremendous routes. He has good routes. But the thing that really, really caught my eye was his releases. He has um, a varied release. He's got two or three different releases that he uses pretty regularly. He's really good at them, and most guys, like Ridley, will use that release to get a step. Well, when Hall gets a step and he runs a 4-3-8, it's four steps. So he'll run a release, get what normally would be one step for another receiver, and then use that incredible speed that shows up in pads. It's not just track speed. And all of a sudden, he is wide open. He is like three yards wide open, not three feet wide open. So... He's definitely got some tools. Uh, he's not a great hands catcher. He's a bit of a body catcher. And he's not a great vertical guy. That means he's not going to go up and get the ball at its highest point all the time or snatch it out of the air with his hands. He's going to catch it against his frame a little bit. But he can do that because, again, he's usually wide open. And he has easy speed on film, which means when I say a guy's got easy speed, it means he can run by people. He can legitimately just run by people when he gets free. 
Again, combine that with great releases. He doesn't have to have great hands. So he's got to work on his routes some. He's got to be a little bit more physical in the in the blocking game, but um, a lot of coaches don't care about that, especially for a guy that's a UDFA. It's really interesting that he chose the Bears because I don't know that he's got a ton of special teams experience. Uh, not like a guy like Kareth White, who has a, you know, that was his calling card really in college. And, you know, as a, as a fifth or sixth wide receiver on a, on an NFL roster, you got to have some special, special teams experience unless you're sort of going to crack that top four legitimately. And I don't know that Hall's quite there because the list is pretty stacked in front of him. So interesting that he chose the Bears. Interesting he didn't get drafted, but a tall guy that's really fast with a bunch of skills. Uh, be really fascinating to watch his progress through camp and see how he develops i don't know that i've ever said this before but the bears might have too many talented wide receivers on the <laughs> roster ah uh, put it in the good problems to have bucket wow unreal uh that's very exciting uh you know you can't coach speed so let's let's see what he can do um let's go to a different type of pass catcher dax raymond Tied in for Utah State. The Bears signed a couple of tight ends in, in the undrafted free agent market, but this guy's the one that I think created the most buzz. And I know we talked about a different Utah State guy, um, but what did you find when you went back and watched Dax Raymond? I liked Raymond. Raymond was on my radar. He's about my probably fifth or sixth tight end that we'd talked about. Um, I did see him when I looked at Darwin Thompson's tape, the running back from Utah State, but Raymond made some really nice hands catches, um, contested hands catches across the middle of the field. Um, in contrast to a guy like Emmanuel Hall, will go up and high point the ball, has very strong hands. Isn't the fastest guy, but he's not slow either. He's not a plotter by any stretch. Doesn't have a really defined route game, rounds off his routes a little bit, but he's physical, he'll go up and get the ball, and he's got great hands. Also is not afraid to mix it up as a blocker, is fairly strong. And I've seen varying reports about whether Raymond's really going to be that move tight end. Um, don't think he's got quite enough speed to do that, or, or whether he's going to bulk up and be more of a blocking tight end that gives you a little bit more receiving. And I think that's probably right. But again, fascinated to see whether the Bears kind of ask him to bulk up and, you know, get a little bit more leverage as a blocker or whether they ask him to kind of concentrate on speed and go out and back up a guy like Trey Burton. Um, so I'm not sure which way they're going to go with him, but he's a talented player. Uh, definitely popped on film, made some really uh, timely catches as well. Big third down conversions, um, stuff to move him into the red zone. So he's got some skills. I like Raymond a lot. This guy's fascinating in terms of, maybe has the best route to make the 53 um, just because of the competition at tight end. I'm, I'm very interested to see how that tight end uh, depth chart shakes out. I want to move. I want to stay on offense. I got one more offensive player for you. Mm -hmm. And that's a Alex Barr, the guard out of Notre Dame. Uh, Harry Heistead uh, pick here. Game would have coached him when he was back at Notre Dame, uh, got injured his senior year. And so, obviously a discount there this this is a as a former lineman myself always get excited when we get offensive line talent in the building this seems like quite the steal for the bears this is a brilliant move um on many fronts but bars definitely a draftable you know inside offensive lineman had a very good career at Notre Dame. A lot of people called him Quentin Nelson Jr., which I don't think is really fair to him, but he's got a lot of strength. He moves very well. He's got great size. Unfortunately, shredded his knee, tore two of the ligaments. Um, if he comes back from that, if the knee is right and 
the Bears, again, can afford, because of their current build of the roster under Ryan Pace, to draft for 2020. So they can redshirt bars this year, put him pretty much directly on IR, stash him for next year. He gets a full year of mental reps under a coaching staff that he's familiar with. He knows Harry Hestad, as you said. And he can come back if he's healthy next year with a full year off in, in rehab and, and re-strengthening that knee. He knows the system. He could absolutely be in the mix for a starting spot next year. He's got that kind of talent. And to get him for basically nothing is a is a great, great move. I'm really excited about Alex Bars. As long as the knee heals up and comes back to strength, he should be a tremendous asset, either as a starter or a very high-level backup for the Bears on the interior offensive line. Well, there's really no downside in picking up a UDFA and throwing him on the injured list. And this is, like you said, it's just a perfect, brilliant move. And you're getting the benefit of the college coaching coming out to the pros and this is just, it's awesome. I'm very excited about this. Hope, hope the knee heals, obviously, uh, and hopefully he can get in the mix to, you know, at least be a premium backup next year. Fantastic. Let's move to the other side of the ball. We've got a few guys I want to talk about here, uh, but let's just start with a little bit of a celebration here. Chuck Harris did it did end up signing with the Bears. We talked about him when we talked about uh, edge players uh, out of Buffalo. What? Uh, what do you think his chances are and what does he bring to the team? Uh, he brings a power rushing profile. That's pretty good. He's certainly not um, his predecessor, Khalil Mack, uh, who came out of Buffalo, but he, he, he's more of a power guy. He's got some bend to him. Um, not a ton. I think UDFA is definitely the place you want to get a guy like Chuck Harris. I don't know that he was worth a, you know, fifth round pick. But he's got a chance if he comes in and develops, if he sort of goes the, we'll call it the Bilal Nichols route, where you, you have a bunch of physical skills, you've got a bunch of power, you take to pro coaching, and you really sort of polish your rough edges and start contributing. That would be his path. Is it going to happen this year? I'd be really surprised if Harris hits the 53 this year, even with the Bears' needed edge rusher. I think he's going to need a year on the practice squad to really work on technique and more variety in his rush moves. But he's got... He's not terribly slow. He's got good size. He's got very good power. That's really his go-to is a sort of bull rush, hump move, that kind of thing. Shows a little bit of bend, but not a ton. He's definitely never going to be considered a, a big bender in terms of an edge rusher. But it's one of those guys that you bring in, again, as a UDFA. There's, It's not really a gamble. There's no downside. If he takes to pro coaching or, or hooks on with the PS and, and shows that he's willing to develop, you could have something as a sort of situational edge rusher down the line. I'm not wild about that possibility. I think it could happen. It really is on him. But again, pretty happy to get him in UDFA because there's no downside. And if he blossoms, you know, maybe he ends up uh, in the place of a guy like Kylie Fitz if Fitz doesn't take that next step this year. Sure. Yeah, he's... um pretty interesting I'm, I'm a little bit more excited though about the next guy which is uh, matthew betts or matt betts who played edge rusher in canada and you sent me some film and it looked like he was pass rushing against you know uh posts in the ground uh, <laughs> maybe that's just a level of competition issue but the, the guy just looked like he was just 
just speeding around, guys. Um, what what did you see that you liked about Betts? Yeah, Betts has a lot to like in his film. Um, it does come with the corollary of you know never draft an offensive lineman from Canada, and that's not fair, but uh, it's generally true. The, yeah. the quality of offensive line play in Canada is is definitely lower than what the average you know D one collegiate is in the U S. However, the thing that's really encouraging about Matt Betts is his variety, the way he gets around guys. He can bend. He can use power. He can rush from the inside. He can rush from the outside. I've seen at least four good, solid moves out of him. Arm over, swim move, uh, spin move, uh, push-pull is pretty good with him. And he does look like he's just bouncing around guys. So with that much variety and technique already in his game, even though he was rushing against less skilled players, I think Betts has a chance to contribute. Now, is he going to come on and be the number three rotational rusher for the Bears this year? I think that would be a bit of a Cinderella story. That would be a tremendous rise from where he is in terms of level of competition. Betts' problem is he's going to get to the NFL and he's going to find guys who have very long wingspans, uh, so they don't necessarily need to move their feet as much. They are going to be incredibly powerful, and that's one of the lesser developed areas in his game is pure power. Right. The ability to just push people off. So when he gets engaged, if he does end up, say, you know, they run a counter on the on the line and he's got to come around the inside and he runs into a, a good, solid NFL guard who's, you know, 330 and very, very strong. If he runs into Kyle Long in practice, for say, um, he's probably not going anywhere if he gets hooked up with a guy like Long who's very strong in the hands and is just going to control him. So he's going to have to add some power to his game. But he's got enough variety and physically he's very quick. He has plenty of flexibility. He's got tools. It's how fast can he adjust to the level of competition um, and scheme. Scheme's a little bit different. Um, but again, defensive line is very much about athleticism, and he's got tons of that. So I'm really encouraged that he chose um, to sign. He was the third overall pick in the CFL draft, so he could have stayed home and had, you know, uh, I hate to say fame and fortune, but more fame and fortune, certainly. <laughs> he chose the much more uncertain route of the NFL because he knows it's the top league. He said as much, and he says, no, he's absolutely committed to the Bears and making it here, even if that means going on the practice squad because it's the top tier and he would rather be known as a player in the top tier than as a as a big fish in the second league so um i like his attitude Uh, some of his film from the senior bowl um or sorry i think it was east west shrine um he was down there at the all-star game looked pretty good against some of that competition again not uh, not necessarily senior bowl competition not top competition but I think he's got a chance, and I'm excited, again, to see how he develops, see how he fits, because the Bears do have, you know, a spot there in the roster where he could wedge himself in. You're making me want to go to training camp this year, EJ. Oh, I am going to training camp. Are you coming? Well, it depends on the day, but I think we're going to have to make it happen. I think we're going to have to make it happen. I almost went last year, and this year I've decided... I'm just, I'm doing it. I already started talking to my boss last week. I said, look, I'm going to need a few days off here and here and I'm, I'm going to do it. So I think we should do it together and, and have fans come out and do a meetup and, and just make the most of it. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a good time. Um, 
we did an, a nice little segue there because you talked about the CFL. We've got a player on the roster that played in the CFL, right? Jameer Thurman. That's right. I'd forgotten about Thurman, and I saw him when I was looking at the roster for rookie minicamp. And Jameer Thurman, even though he was signed last season, um, didn't accrue uh, enough service, uh, according to NFL PA terms, to be classified as anything other than a rookie. So he is still classified as a rookie, hence was eligible for rookie minicamp and was there. And I think Thurman, we talked about Inside Linebackers, our very first Bears Over Beers podcast, and Thurman is a guy that could be a really solid, special teamer and inside backer backup. He's got great speed. He demonstrated that uh, in the CFL. He plays against the pass pretty well. He's a little bit undersized, but, you know, that's not such a big deal. It's not a death sentence in the NFL anymore. We see a lot of linebackers who are six foot, maybe six one in the, you know, 220-ish range, which is right about where Thurman is. Uh, and I think he's got a chance, um, especially if Izzy doesn't, de- isn't, doesn't develop uh, to, you know, to stick. Um play on special teams and maybe make the 53 and i'd completely forgotten he was on the roster so it's always fun uh to to dig through the rosters for rookie minicamp and and remember stories like that so yeah i think thurman's got a chance he's a player to watch and we'll see again how he develops in the system and he's got a little bit of a head start on some of the rookies he's been uh, with the team a little bit longer knows the coaches knows the scheme so let's let's see what he does with that well, like I said, there's there's definitely some potential there with that inside linebacker with maybe some turnover. So it'll be interesting to see if he can step up and step into that role. So um, I've got one more guy on my list. Uh, believe that he's a potential five technique. Uh, Jalen Dalton. What do you want to say about him? Yeah, this is a guy they signed as a UDFA. Uh, I didn't know anything about him. Hadn't watched really any of the North Carolina defense this year. He's out of UNC. Uh, they just haven't listed as a defensive lineman, but based on his physical profile, I'd say he's definitely in the running for the five tag. He's six six three hundred. This is a massive dude. It's a big guy. And what caught my eye in looking back at some of his films and highlights is him catching guys on an angle like thirty yards down the field and pushing them out of bounds. There's not many guys that size that can run like that. So what I really started thinking as I watched his highlights is this is what Bilal Nichols tape looked like when he was at Delaware. Um, you have a very strong guy who's a little rough around the edges with technique. And the amazing thing about Nichols is how fast he progressed last year, how quickly he rounded off those rough edges to really come in and contribute. But I'm not going to say that Dalton's going to follow that curve, but physically here's a guy that's really strong, really fast. And if you're talking about a block of clay on the defensive line, you've got one. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I like that, uh, pace just seems to find these diamonds everywhere uh and so it's even if they don't develop you know it, it's it's just nice that you're you're pulling guys in with big potential whereas it seems like some general managers in the past um you know specifically uh, jerry angelo always seemed to draft guys with maybe a nice floors but like no ceiling just like, <laughs> like or very low ceiling i guess it just like seemed like they were just never going to develop into anything interesting and uh, it's nice to see these guys where it's like, well, you know, hey, if this guy makes uh, the commitment and takes a couple steps forward, he can, he, you know, he could be a really impactful player. And that's really nice to see. I like, like hearing about guys like that. Well, well, here's my question for you, EJ. Actually, I've got two. Um, is there a player that we would risk losing if we try to hide him on the practice squad? So is there a player that basically has to make the 53 for us, or they're probably going to get signed away to another team's 53-man roster. 
most likely target for that's got to be Emmanuel Hall. He was on a lot of people's draft radar. Again, he's got obvious physical skills, well over six feet tall, uh, under four or four, um, knows how to release. That's the kind of guy that might be better than somebody that's on somebody's 53, especially if they're looking for flat-out speed, like you said. Can't coach speed, so I think if somebody's going to get poached, um, again, that designation that they have to take him to the active roster right away basically dissuades most teams. And again, every team had a shot, or multiple shots, I should say, to draft Manuel Hall and chose not to. So there's a chance that he might not get picked up, but of all the guys in UDFA, he's probably the one that would get snapped up first. Now the flip side is who do you think is most likely to make the 53 out of all, all these, if, if any, but who do you think is the most likely? Uh, you know, if, if we make that time frame 2020, I would say Alex bars. I, I'd say he has the most direct, that's the cheating. most direct shot. It's totally cheating. Um, this year I would say Dax Raymond because I'm not really set on the tight end depth period. Like Burton was fine and solid in his role and did his job. Um, Shaheen has not performed and is probably running out of rope. I don't think he runs out this year, but I don't think he's got anything beyond this year. Um, Ben Broniker is a, a physical marvel who's a special teams ace, plays, uh, I think, all four phases of special teams. And uh, But is he going to contribute um, really anything in the in the inline offense, I don't know that he is. So Raymond's got a very interesting spot. If he can, you know, if they can pick a path for him and he takes it, um, he could sneak on um, fairly easily. And, you know, if not, uh, my longer shot would be Matt Betts. If he really, you know, if he manages to, to start finding success, um, I could see him sneaking on because, again, if Kylie Fitz doesn't, I mean, imagine if they both play in the preseason and Kylie Fitz looked like he did last preseason, which was not not exceptional. And, right. you know, maybe Betts comes up big in two or three situations in the preseason and really shows, again, edge rushing talent is very hard to find, right? So maybe another team gets tempted if Betts, if Betts starts flashing in the preseason to snare him or maybe they have an injury and they think, hey, here's a guy we can grab and develop. Um, but again, they have to throw him on the active roster. So I'd say Betts is a much longer shot just because of that jump in competition. Um, but I think Dax Raymond's chances to make the 53, again, I'm not betting that he will, but I'd say he probably has the easiest path. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with you. That's that that'd be my pick as well. So, um, well, that's anything else on the UDF phase. Anybody else that you want to talk about? It's the best class the Bears have had in a very long time, and it's the culture we talked about at the top of the show, um, combined with solid coaching and the fact that everybody knows where the Bears are going. If you're going to be on the Bears, you're going to have a shot at the playoffs perennially right now, and you might be looking at a chance to play for all the marbles and. All players want that, and that's why a guy like Emmanuel Hall, even though he doesn't have an easy path to make the roster, would come here and you know would come to Chicago and and try and make it on because he knows the Bears are ascending right now. So it, overall, top to bottom, if you add up this UDFA class um, and even you know a couple of the seventh round picks, they brought in a lot of talent with a really limited number of draft picks and almost you know no high draft picks. That's a that's a huge credit to Pace and his staff of scouts. That's just a, it's an amazing accomplishment. It's an amazing turn. <clears throat> it's an amazing turnaround in the last 15 months. True. <laughs> it's just unbelievable how much the, the difference is when, you know, Pace couldn't sign AJ Bouye 
uh, and you know, to now where guys are, I don't want to say lining up, but they're they, not having any they trouble. They certainly did. We had, you know, uh, we probably had five, four or five quality UDFA signings within the first five hours of that period opening. That is an absolute turnaround from a couple of years ago when the bears were, you know, clawing and scratching and trying to get anybody to come play for the team. And, you know, they did okay, but if they got one guy of note uh, in the old days, that was a big deal. And here they have, you know, Manuel Hall, Alex Bars, uh, Matthew Betts certainly had offers after the East-West game and, and showing out in practices down there. And they basically say, hey, I'm on board, let's go. Um, within the first few hours of that process being open, that is a, a very different thing. Just open the doors and they show up. So it really speaks to the overall organizational and culture change. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to circle back to this beer. Oh, yeah. Um, so I really like the one with lime and, and sea salt. So I just <laughs> want to put it out there. But I really do like Dogfish Head's sour beer with, with lime and sea salt. Right. Um, this, I think, is actually better used to develop film. <laughs> After, the, I, you know, I can't. That ingredient list is just. I know Dogfish Head have had their offerings. Like you said, they're a little bit eclectic. They're definitely going to try some things that other people aren't. And generally, they're pretty successful at that. Uh, they have a very strong following in the Northeast where they're from. But that one is probably just a bridge too far. I'm, I'm just going to take your word for it that it's not awesome as beer, um, better as, as film processing agent, and, and let that one go. Do you know when you have like a soda and like it's really sweet and you know kind of like your teeth almost feel like they they hurt from the <laughs> the, the, the sugar yes i know what you're that, talking about that's kind of what i've been fighting all episode. wow um yeah i can't say i'm sorry to have missed that i really can't all right well what <laughs> I, I don't want to trash the beer, and like I said, definitely not the brewery because I, I do like some of their offerings. But this is this is not not, one not the I'm one you'll be going out for seconds on. No. Not at all. All right. Well, what's what's going on with us in the next few weeks? And, and oh, uh, we got we got a lot of stuff. A lot of people are uh, thinking that we're probably winding down because this is we're coming up to the summer drought here. We're coming up to the sort of low period of NFL news throughout the year. But we've got some really good folks who have said that they will come on as interviews. So Jeff and I are going to dig into the how to record a third person here and start bringing you some fun interviews. We're going to be working through the rest of the position groups uh, that we didn't get through pre-draft. Um, and I think there might even be a favorite cheap beer episode on tap. Oh, yes. I started playing with that on Twitter, and we got some really good responses. So uh, maybe some more beers that we wouldn't go back for seconds on, but uh, I think we'll both bring our favorite cheap beers as well. So we'll have some fun with that and uh, maybe some audience participation, something you can follow along at home. But, uh, yeah, a bunch of good content. We're back in the saddle. We're at it. Uh, we'll be putting out one of these probably every couple of weeks, even through the dead part of the season. And um, you can always follow Jeff on Twitter, at Gridironborn. I am at the Draftsman FB, And, of course, the pod has its very own Twitter handle, at Bears Over Beers, so not hard to remember. Uh, there'll be a bunch of stuff coming up on Windy City Gridiron. You're just going to have to watch the site for that. Um, but... Uh, that's all I've got. Do you have anything else? Well, I can now talk about it freely since Lester oh, yes. spilled the, the beans. The lid is off. 
I was part of the team that put together the top 100 Chicago Bears players of all time, and that list is going to start getting put out here in the next week or two. So Sam Householder and I were uh, spearheading that, and uh, Jacob and uh, Optimus Prime, Eric, uh, and, of course, our historian Jack, and, of course, Lester, uh, made a group of six that put together... Uh, the top 100 players put a lot of time and thought and effort into it. And so I'm sure that there will be a lot of conversation and a lot of people upset that certain players didn't make it or some players are too high or too low or whatever. But just know that all six of us had those same conversations with each other as we were yelling at each other through email on why certain people were certain putting a certain quarterback as high as they were. Let's just put it that way. Ah. Um, so there will be some very interesting tales to tell. So we'll try to get Sam on and, 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 and probably Jack or maybe some others to, to come in and talk about their views on that as we roll through that list as well. Very cool. Very cool. So a full summer on bears over beers. We're going to have all kinds of fun stuff for you. Um, take some chances here. See if we can't switch it up because we don't, uh, we aren't driven by game content so much in the summer that gives us a little bit more freedom, but until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for commenting. And as always bear down. <laughs>